Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to part two of Private Parts. Still here with Ella. Um, the Ella effect. That's the new thing. It's going to be a new thing. Um, Ella, how many books have you written? Six. Wow. It's a lot of books. It is a lot of books. Mm. Your, you have your new book out. Um, title is? How to Go Plant-Based. Is it your favourite? Um, do you know what? I've got two favourites, actually. Okay. Um, this one, because I think it is just the best. Like, I don't just say that. As in, I think, you know, you learn a huge amount, don't you? And you, you realise all the things maybe weren't quite right in the past. And I feel like this one is the accumulation of all my learnings and... I think it's by far and away the best book in the way it's written and its usefulness and all the rest of it. But our fourth book, which was called The Plant-Based Cookbook, came that came out uh, middle of 2019. And that one was a really, it was quite a cathartic book actually, because it was the first time I included a lot of the journey of creating the company in there. And all the things, you know, so, social media is a strange place, isn't it? And it's a, such a snapshot, but so much of it, when people say, oh, it, it's not it's not authentic or people aren't telling their whole story, I think a lot of the time it's because at whatever, at that time, for whatever reason, you can't. Mm. You know, it might be that whatever's affecting you is actually somebody else's story and it's not yours to talk about online or, you know, it's business challenges that you certainly cannot share in the moment because you can't let other people know you think you're going bust tomorrow. Mm. You know, it wouldn't be brilliant for kind of supplier relationships, etc. <laughs> um, and so it's the first time I wrote it all down. Wow. And it was really, really, really cathartic. So I always hold a special place for that book. That's amazing. You know, with any business owner, you've always had to go through the highs and the lows. Um, I want to focus on the lows quickly. What lows have you had to deal with? God, there's just so many, isn't there? I know. You said early on in the conversation, naivety is key to starting a business. And I I so agree with that. I think it is with kind of any big life decision because it's, sort of better that you don't know what you don't know mm. although you do need to recognize it um well you make decisions as well that you probably would never make if you were experienced in that situation but actually can lead to positive sometimes as exactly. well. exactly but there have been so many i mean i think in the early days it's just the classic like everything's so scrapped together and it's all a bit of a mess and you genuinely don't know if you'll go out of business the next day you know i remember the first time we really had that was we knew we had a um a hole in our cash flow everything was being paid on one day and there were six weeks where we were in trouble and then it all came back in we knew and we knew that was coming and we we'd spoken to an investor who was had been we first opened a, a little cafe at the end of 2015 he was a came in every single day he lived right around the corner he's a guy mm. that worked in finance had invested in lots of consumer businesses and he was going to make you know a relatively small private investment and we'd agreed everything and then he went really quiet and he went really quiet and he went really quiet and he went really quiet. And then the day before we were meant to sign this, just before we had this massive hole. Maybe he fell down the hole. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he obviously said, you know, I'm not going to sign it. I want to change oh, all the terms. Um, because obviously you've got, 
you know? And again, that's naivety, isn't it? We should never have left her. We should have walked away earlier, but mm. um, yeah, you just trust people. And we'd known him on a personal level. We saw him literally every day. And um, can, can I be really personal and feel free not to say, what investment were you looking at around that time? In what region? I can't, you know what? I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was say like 150,000 pounds. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't, on the grand scheme of things, an enormous Absolutely. company investment. It was it was to really get us through this kind of challenging period. But he then changed all the terms and wanted an absolutely enormous amount of the business and, you know, blah, 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 in order to sign it. And it was, that was one of the most kind of difficult moments where A, you realize the reality of like the sharkiness mm-hmm. of the world and B, you think that you really are going to go bust before you've really got started. So basically. then what do you do? How do you, how do you change that straight away? Well, so we walked away, which was one of the hardest things we've ever done. Um, cause you don't actually know if you'll figure it out. Um, my mother-in-law, who was one of the most extraordinary women, she lent us her money, put some of the money she needed to pay her tax bill. That's like began, wow. which was really trusting because we were like, we will have it back in six weeks. And she, she trusted us on that friends and family. It was a real, like we tried to move loads of payment terms around, you know, we needed an extra two days here an extra four mm. days there. We kind of took the gamble of not paying this, you know, this bill, wait a minute, etc. And we did manage to get through it and we paid my mother-in-law back in full. Um, in four weeks? No, in full. Yeah. No, just after, just, yeah. Eight weeks later, because wow. we knew it was coming back, which is why this guy behaved so badly. So there were, that was, I think one of the biggest lessons, you know, I, it's, you have the meeting of personal and professional, don't you? And I think that's one of the other big challenges. But also because with your brand and, and forgive my um, limited knowledge within that sort of space of it, but you you um, you you have your your product that you yeah. sell, and then you have your. I love your balls, by the way. <laughs> there really, is really lovely balls. <laughs> Gets me energized. It's also just the positioning. I just think positioning of where it is is just fab. But you also had retail um, spaces as yeah, well. Yeah, so we've got one restaurant. Yeah, which is a, it. It's ended up being, and that was that. That was one of our other hardest moments. So when we first started, so my husband and I started work. We met just after, so many questions. So go. many questions. So many questions. Trying to fit it. Anyway, so yeah, we met. We started working together um and got engaged and everything all within four months i mean completely nuts really but all's well that ends well just quickly before we you you meet you start working together yeah and then you get engaged within yeah four months it's the ella effect yeah the, it's the ella effect again that's it's reverse it it's a reverse it's reverse yeah quickly um what were you thinking i was thinking two things how do you know it's your life partner first yeah. And secondly, working with your partner. How tricky is that? Yeah, it's really strange. I was always kind of quite on the fence. Do I want to get married? Do I not want to get married? That wasn't something that was particularly important to me. And parents had a very complicated marriage, not very happy one. And it wasn't probably the best example. Um, And so I was always about unsure if that's what I wanted in my life. And... um, and it was not looking for a partner in any shape or form. And we met um, through our parents. So it's a bit of an arranged marriage. Um, <laughs> his mom and my dad used to work together. And he read this article in uh, when the book came out. The Ella the effect. effect. We yeah. knew it. There we go. We were right. <laughs> we were. Yeah. Mate, was, you were right. I thought the article changed my life. It really did. And wow. um, and he was thought it was very interesting what I was doing. And so he'd met my dad through his mum and said, can you put me in touch? And my dad, who at the time I had a very difficult relationship with and I wasn't really 
talking too much, suddenly sent me all these messages saying, this is the most amazing man you'll meet in your life. Look how handsome he is taking image, like Google images. I mean, so creepy and weird. <laughs> and no, um, hang on, wait, you say, we've got to give, we've got to give you a great match matchmate by your dad. Because your, really your wonderful husband obviously saw a picture of you and was like, she looks cute and she does the, this this is the Ella effect <laughs> I want to meet her this sounds amazing that's just great yeah no it was it was it was confident anyway so we got together but we didn't it wasn't a date he he was with someone else at the time and we were talking about what I was doing and he was really interested in it and then we met again and I did leave that meeting a little bit confused about it, it felt unprofessional you know mm. <laughs> and um and no, that so, kiss was really yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah. Like, yeah. why did he yeah. kiss me that was... <laughs> and um anyway so i was a bit confused but um anyway he, he then asked me out so we went out on the thursday night sunday and then the next thursday we moved in together wow get out of oh here my god yeah Full which on. is matt i mean in retrospect like what did completely come on. mad was it electricity when you first meet first met it was just this sense and it's so strange because as i said the only reason i caveat the fact that i wasn't sure i wanted to get married or anything was i feel i would the idea of kind of love at first sight yeah so it's wanna... just was nuts to me like i just couldn't get my head around that was just the polar opposite of who i was but i met him and i left the first time i met him and i said to one of my best friends i was like that is the person that i would marry and so I said, not sure I should see him again because I'm not sure I'm ready for that. <laughs> and um, that yeah, wild. it was really, it was this very strange sense of, of we'd grown up in these kind of very parallel lives. We'd grown up about 15 minutes away from each other, but he's eight years older than I am. So we we didn't know each other, but we you had but, so but many, many years. That's always, pretty, I always think that's pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. and had so <laughs> many of the same friends and just had such a similar life in so many different ways that I think it just felt like home. Wow. So that happens, you move in together, you, you, you get engaged and then you're starting your brand together. Yeah. That, that is one of the biggest rules anyone always says, right? It's that classic line, never go into business with friends or family, but you do that straight away. What yeah. is the positives and negatives of doing something like that? So what I think we realized really quickly was I was quite, as I was saying earlier, really in over my head and quite overwhelmed as this was just as delicious yellow kind of exploded. And I think what, as, but equally, as I said, it was so clear there was an opportunity and this opportunity was not going to come around again. It was a now or never moment. And I think what was really clear to both of us was that that opportunity was there that I don't think at the time I could have or wanted to capitalize on it on my own. Um, I don't think I could capitalize it on my own. And I think we we needed each other. He mm. was working in finance, hated it, was bored out of his mind. And so for him, it was like, wait a second, there's this really exciting brand here. You could do so much more with it than you're doing. And that's what I wanted to do, but knew I couldn't do that on my own. I mean, mm. he would start to look at my numbers and just be like, oh God. Yeah, I didn't not, even look at numbers. Yeah, it's not my forte. <laughs> yeah, it's not my And forte. I didn't want, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to have a successful business if I was left in charge of anything like that. Um, well, you're the classic entrepreneur, maybe not the best businessman. In the sense that happens to a lot of people, where you're the creator, the designer, the understanding, the 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 vision, all that kind of stuff. But actually, you know, the numbers and stuff like that behind the scenes, maybe not your forte. So you need to find your yin to your yang. Exactly, and I think that's why it works. I would always say to people, if you're very similar, working together would be the worst idea you could Disaster. ever have. Disaster, because you've got to have autonomy. You've got to say who's in charge of what because lots of decisions are relatively subjective at the end of the day. And I think someone's got to have ownership. And if you both feel you've got ownership of the same thing, 
that's going to be really difficult. Mm. Yeah, it just doesn't work. No, whereas we are, we have exactly the same values. So we're very aligned, which makes it quite easy. It's incredibly rare that we disagree on any kind of bigger, more important decision. But on the day to day, I mean, we go into the office together and we go home together, but we probably three or four days a week actually basically don't speak to each other during the day because we're doing such fundamentally different things. So it's almost like we both enabled each other to have the careers that we quite wanted to have that we wouldn't have been able to have separately. God, that is luck. Mm. That is immense luck. I, is. I, there are so many times and situations where like, I have a, my business partner, Ed. Um, he was a designer um, at Loughborough. Um, a guy I knew in Loughborough introduced me to him and we'd never met. And literally from that moment on, I said, well, let's do, do this together. And then that was 11 years ago. Yeah. yeah, it's it's strange how things like that, that kind of relationship sometimes just works. Exactly. And you really, I mean, I, I love having a, a partner in, in that sense as in to share the kind of stresses and intensity of it i think doing it on your own would feel very lonely mm. but selling a product is hard i, I have really it's really hard from experience and a lot of people have dreams and visions and ideas to do it and and uh, you know we were speaking about this before i i, I don't have a pessimistic attitude towards things I, th- I i love it when anyone sets up a brand i think it's the most incredible thing i just have a r- realistic approach to to that um and boy it is tricky margins are tight um it costs a lot of money to hold stock you have to have staff that you pay for all these different things um have you had the same stresses and the same hardships and the same dealings with the retailers and different places and and where where do you like so many questions there but where do you focus most of your energy with the business is it towards selling and retailers is it direct consumer what what is it yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you and 100% on the stresses. Absolutely. Um, I think there is this glamorization of starting a business, entrepreneurship, you know, female founders as well, you know, that kind of hashtag girl boss that's happening. And in a way, as you said, I, I, I love it and I respect it. And, you know, entrepreneurship is a really important part of our economy and it's, it is brilliant. But I do think the glamorization almost sets people up for, absolutely for failure because it's it's so different from what you expect in mm. that sense like it is our whole life like we mm. have no life outside we, we've got two children and between them and work we have no life yeah. like literally no life whatsoever bye to bye bye social life anything like that see ya <laughs> yeah gone um you know holidays see ya, see ya. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> it's so true isn't it yeah. and i just think we don't again it's talking about things we don't talk about enough i don't think people talk about that enough so people it's like you know they feel like they're not succeeding because they've got this pipe dream and my thing people say you know what's your number one piece of advice my number one piece of advice is you know are you ready to sacrifice everything else in your life because if you're not then don't don't do it it's not worth it and if you are because you feel so called to it then it's so it is so worthwhile Mm. and i think for me the answer is is yes but i i do think it's an important question and also i i kind of want to squash that sort of attitude as well and and forgive me if this is not true but i i assume what i had was when i started kind of getting and had that sort of somewhat success of it People said, oh, you're heir to McVitie's and you have all this money to do it. We started with, we had three grand. Heir to McVitie's, I mean, I've never seen any of it that cash. I don't know, I, like, I, I get the, I get. got a load of biscuits yeah, in your house, fucking I useless. Get, I get this, I get this. They're your competitors. Yeah, yeah, I know. We sold it in like the 80s. Like, I mean, the, the thing is that people would think that I have the um, idea that they think I'm a billionaire. And 
so I get the sort of negative connotation of being a billionaire, but none of the cash. So it's a really bad place to be in. <laughs> but I almost, um, and then what happens is, is that, you know, I, I did Made in Chelsea, whatever. There are massive negatives to doing that. Yeah, you get some marketing and things like that, but they don't matter if you're the king of England, right? Your product has to be good. It has to have longevity, has to have all these different things. You know, you, your, your family is tied to Sainsbury's. And so, and you create this blog. And so people go, well, you had it easy. You create this product and you get into these retailers and you have this blog and this money to do that. Did you, do you get irritated trying to defend yourself sometimes about it? It used to drive me so nuts. Yeah, yeah. And I really, yeah, I never really knew how to respond to it or what to say. And I used to, yeah, I used to get quite upset about it because, you know, you're saying you're working so hard. It started with a blog that became cooking classes, that became supper clubs, that funded an app. The book then came out that did really well. That funded the cafe that funded the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, you know, we, we took on, you know, almost five million pounds of debt last year to buy out our shareholders like it's not mm. something where people are like here you go off you go it's your wow. business that's big yeah a massive life decision hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. What was the decision behind that? It was when we took the money on, we need we needed to raise investment. We were growing really fast. We needed support with cash flow. Um, and um, and it was the right decision in that sense. And they were nice guys, but they weren't adding to the business. There was nothing strategic about it. They yeah, as I said, they weren't they weren't really adding anything. And in five five years after they invested, they could sell their shares. And so it was kind of like, well, do we wait a year and see who they decide to sell to or do we preempt it, buy it back? Mm. And then it's our decision to make with what's next. It's, it's Sorry, it's great advice that for anyone listening is that there is, people don't realize this, setting up a business, setting up a brand. Um, and when you look to raise capital, because that's, a, you know, money's oxygen, it helps us breathe. Always, always be careful who you raise investment from. Because firstly, once they have equity, you can never get it back. They always have it unless you, you know, take five million pounds, take of debt. five million pounds of debt <laughs> and never sleep and never sleep and have really good interest rates. <laughs> so, yeah. But but the point is, is that everyone, someone told me once that everyone has money in their pockets about finding a way of getting it from their pocket into your pocket. How do you do that? So look, there is money out there. And so pick and choose who your investors are. Don't jump at the first hurdle that gives you whatever, 
10 grand, five grand, a hundred grand, a million quid or whatever it is. Oh, and hold on as long as you possibly can until you actually need it. Absolutely. Um, because otherwise you'll give away so much for nothing. Oh, well, I, I, guess, I guess you kind of proved when you had that hole, like you were going to take on that money, but you actually- Exactly. And there was a way it. to scrape through. Whereas at this point, the business was growing so fast and it was going in such a great direction, but it, we, we just needed support with cash flow. And we knew we did. And that was the, that was the right decision, but we knew- we felt it was the right decision it, to buy it back. But to your point, like we've never, there've been literally zero handouts and, and, you know, same as you, you know, Sainsbury's went public and my family have had nothing to do with the running of it at all. You know, long before I was born, when my yeah. mum was about 18, I think. Yeah. This, you know, a long time ago. So, but there's, and actually ironically, they were one of the last retailers to stock us. We've now got them. Now, <laughs> were now they really? Well. Were yeah, they really they, one of the last? Yeah, that I, is hilarious. Exactly. So there's just this irony of being like, yeah. And it is hard to find it, but I've thought a lot about it over the last few years. And, and obviously it's not that I don't acknowledge that obviously there's still, you know, privilege associated with it. But mm. I think what it actually gave me was this normalization of the impossible. You know, my grandpa and his brothers and their cousin were the last generation to be involved in it. And they really kind of built it into what it is today. And it's obviously one of the biggest brands in the country. And I, I used to be embarrassed about that because you said people make all these assumptions about you. And obviously, you know, they had done growing up as well. So I think you become that comes kind of quite intrinsic in you as well. And, but I think I realized that actually there's so much to be proud of, but also they created this mindset of thinking like, okay, you know, it started as a grocery cart on Drury Lane and it became wow. this. Wow. And you just realize like- That history is insane. Right? And you realize it's possible, but it, it, I think in my subconscious, that was always possible. So when you're kind of starting to create a brand and doing things differently and everyone's getting a normal job and you're trying to turn a blog into X, Y, and Z, you're thinking, oh, I could do that. And we could sit and talk about so many different things. One of the things I, I do want to know, and it, God, it is probably the hardest question to ask, but, you know, if you have a business and a brand, typically a, a, a sort of FMCG product, as we said at the beginning, <laughs> that's cyclical. Um, the How do you create a point of difference? What How do you get that in front of retailers? How do you get it in front of, I know, the, the corner shops? What do you do? to really push your brand out there and get seen? I mean, we just did it really backwards, to be honest, which is that, and it was inadvertent completely. So, you know, I'd love to sit here and say we had this brilliant business plan, but in reality, it was an accident, to be honest, initially, which is that we created a brand before we created a product. Oh my God, I, I, so, I'm so sorry. It's exactly the same as we did. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a really different approach. And it's not something, I think, kind of pre- the age of social media and the internet, that was that was a very difficult thing to do, such an impossible thing to do because to create a brand, you had to have extraordinary marketing budgets because you'd need to do, mm. you know, above the line campaigns, you need to get on buses and you need to get on the tube and you need to get on TV. And that's extraordinarily expensive. You know, that's not something we've got the budget to do even at this point. And so, but the, the world of social media has started, given people the opportunity to start to build brands. So we had accidentally spent several years creating a, a brand, creating a mission, creating a community. You know, when our food products first went into stores, we had over 500,000 people, you know, just on Instagram following what the brand was doing. So that in immediately creates a point of difference. But also we were kind of, you know, not, not on our own, but kind of there was this collection of brands and, and people changing the conversation of kind of bringing plant-based to the forefront. I mean, 10 years ago, 
sub 5% of the population in the UK bought plant-based food products in the supermarket. And now it's about 48%. So there's been this kind of crazy trajectory. So there was also, there was white space. You know, there just mm. wasn't, you know, what we're making or, you know, what you're making that just didn't exist on the shelf mm. at this point. So again, it comes back to opportunity, doesn't it? And I that happy accident, right? Yeah, you, you know, we, I started Instagram in 2000, late 2012. You started I, Instagram. I yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Quite a big feat. Yeah, so it's, it's the Aller effect. Um, I started Instagram page. Yeah. End of 2012. Yeah, right, yeah probably. Around so when it was really in its kind of very early stages. Mm. So if you were looking for this sort of thing, it just, you know, there weren't, it wasn't really competition. Mm. Whereas now, if you wanted to create a brand like we've created, that would be incredibly difficult. It's a very saturated space. And then if you went to Waitrose or you went to Tesco's, you went to Sainsbury's and tried to sell them a similar product, well, that becomes really difficult as well because they've now got a whole plethora of mm. similar things on the shelf. And so it just comes back to, isn't it? It's like recognizing opportunity. But mm. I do think we're lucky now to be able to create brands in the way that loads of people do you know all those instagram ads everyone gets mm. all day every day mm. you know they cost a fraction of what it costs to get on tv so there is this opportunity now to create small businesses which i just don't think people were afforded in the same way 20 years ago which no is ways. really exciting it's really exciting and, and also that's why there is a like you said a huge amount of opportunity out there it's just about finding those white spaces i love that archaic places that haven't really been moved or shaped mm. or exactly. whatever in a while i think that's so true um and we've taken up quite a lot of your time um your your book that is out where can we get it from amazon's always the easiest isn't is it? amazon the best place well, amazon sell at half price so Hey, look at that. Don't get it from Amazon. Don't get it from Amazon. Yeah. Go and buy a get full Get it from price. Sainsbury's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Go and buy it from the most exactly. expensive place. <laughs> yeah. You can buy it. Um, and we can follow you on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram. And we can check out your podcast. You can check out my podcast. Out of everything that you have done and created, what gives you the biggest fulfillment? It's that it is the sense of community. It is that, you know, cause we've, we've talked about this. It's hard running mm. a business and owning a business. And I think there is this sense of, knowing why you do it and you it's hearing from people that it's had some kind of impact on them it's like helping their kids eat more vegetables or it's you know they started using the app and they're meditating from it and that's really helping them get through a difficult week it's just little it doesn't have to be you know the big you've changed my whole life messages or those are although those are extraordinary it's just knowing that there's a worthwhile mm. element that's kind of i i just don't feel that motivated by spreadsheets probably because i can't read them same as me but the the numbers don't do it. It's it's the people and knowing that it's yes meaningful in some capacity. I love that, Ella. Thank you so much for no, being a guest. Thank you, guys. No, huge fan. Go and grab Ella's book as well. We'll leave everything in the description below. Ella, thank you so much. What we like to do at the end of the podcast is leave our listeners with something inspirational. Oh my god! Not Harsh to... again. <laughs> yeah, mean. sorry. Come on. Straight as well. Well, it's the Ella effect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know <Oof>. what? <laughs> just disappears. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't have to answer yeah, the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to narrow it down. I think, you know, people obviously often ask, you know, I want to change my diet, I want to get healthier. And I think if I was going to say, if you're going to change one thing in your life, I think making sure that it's something that you actually enjoy. I think so often when we make try and make changes and we try and get healthier and feel better in ourselves, we make it from a really negative place of like, we're not good enough or I hate this about myself or I hate this habit. And actually trying to do it slowly in a sustainable way where you actually enjoy the habits you're putting in, stop kind of 
criticizing yourself and saying you're doing it wrong, you're not doing it wrong. Just do it slowly, do it incrementally. Like think about decades, not days, and just make sure you enjoy it. If you're just trying to emulate someone else and you hate it, it will not last. Love that. And thank you so much. Everybody, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Oh, this is a good